The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Jessica, so thanks for coming on to this little podcast. Hi, sure. I was going to say, uh, you're really enthusiastic and responsive, so I thought, I thought that was pretty cool, because usually I'm always, whenever I uh, kind of message someone, I'm like, hey, want to come on the pod? I'm always like, I don't want to bug them, but yeah, you seem to be really into it, so that was cool. No, I bug everybody. Bug me all the time. Well, I, uh, yeah, like I said, definitely thanks again for coming on. So uh, right away, I wanted to chat among among all the things we'll get into, um, so podcasting. So obviously you've got Bach Talk, you've got Corked Up, a wine podcast with a splash of baseball. It's a great name. You do uh, Corked Up with Agent Rachel Luba, who of course represents guys like Trevor Bauer, Yasiel Puig. So I was curious, how did uh, Corked Up come along? How did you get started with Rachel doing that podcast? Yeah, so um, Trevor Bauer, of course, I've been a big fan of his work for years, especially on the content side. And, um, I came across Rachel, I read one of her articles and I was like, this girl's like really cool. Like I, I want to know more about her. So we actually just started talking on social media, kind of doing back and forth. And then before I went to spring training in 2020, um, which was last year, which seems weird. Um, yeah, she was right. like, Hey, tr- come by the uh, momentum house. Trevor wants to have you on a podcast. And I was like, cool, like, I'd be happy to. And then before I get down there, she says, well, how about we try something different? I, they want me to start a podcast, um, but I need a co-host. And um, she's like, let's just try you out. Your name's been kind of brought up in conversation. Let's see how it goes. And so um, I get down there and Rach and I were supposed to talk for maybe 30 minutes and we ended up talking for three hours. So obviously our chemistry was there. It was pretty obvious that we got along fine. And, um, this beautiful thing was born and, and the best, the best part is, is like, we know, we learn from each other, we're friends. Um, and I can be both, you know, a curious fan as well as trying to better my knowledge of the game, because as many years as I've been involved in this game, I'm still learning and I'm still trying to figure out my niche in this world or niche. I think that's the term niche. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Tomato, potato. It's it's from that dynamic, and you know we have like fun merch, and we want to be empowering for women, and um, to show that you know two girls can still be badass in a really tough industry. So we're having fun. Yeah, I, you said chemistry, and I just caught the last few episodes. Uh, I think it was Saturday, and I yeah, I could see the chemistry was there right away. So I, I remember when uh, she was talking about kind of like the kind of that insight pers- from the perspective of an agent, like when a guy gets traded and she was talking about like Bauer getting traded. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And also I like the, uh, the social media about the, uh, like the quote unquote badge of honor by being blocked. Like I always thought that was a weird thing also, but you guys were talking about kind of yeah. social media and things like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's another thing that we bonded over. It's just cause we get picked on a lot on social media yeah. and Trevor's the king of that. Right. He always right, get, right. you know, bashed on with social media of course they're having a really interesting time um in free agency so it's been fun to watch and um everything like that and we want people to know that it's not always bad we still get a lot of good stuff on social media we um you know a lot of dads will email and message rachel and i saying that we're inspiring for their daughters and 
but you can't have a lot of exposure without being prepared to get some of the bad stuff. So it's a lot of hit or miss there. Yeah. I, uh, I was wondering actually with the Bauer perspective. So I like Trevor Bauer. I, I think the content side, like you mentioned is interesting, but I know he's kind of like a polarizing figure among baseball fans, fans, whatever on Twitter. So, but you know him. So I guess you could kind of speak to his truer character or just kind of, you know, the side that maybe most fans don't really get to experience or see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the best part is, is that's why he kind of wants to skip over the media and just kind of portray who he is. And you get to do that on his, you know, vlogs and the videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, And the best part is, is he used to be very misunderstood. And I was always curious Mm -hmm. about him. And I think that's the best part is we don't have to answer those questions anymore. He's one of the most intelligent individuals you'll ever come across from both, not just a baseball side, but just content, humanistic side. And you know, he's very educated and people tend to forget about that as well. And Rachel mentioned, these were Rachel's words, you know, when you come and you look at Trevor, he doesn't have this physique that you think of, of like a hardcore athlete, but he won an NL Cy Young award, um, a sub one eight ERA and was just had this amazing presence on the mound. So he was able to be both a good baseball player and a good marketable baseball player. And I feel like that's super important because he said it, you know, there's so many, I guess, personalities in the game that we never get to see. Like I'll talk about Matt Chapman on podcasts and Mm -hmm. people will be like, is he really funny? Like I had no idea. And I'll be like, yeah, like, And that's the problem, right? Like, that's what I'm trying to do. That's why I get so many people on my podcast. So I would like, hey, world, MLB, let me introduce you to Chadwick Trump. Let me introduce you to this guy and and everything like that. So I feel like it's very imperative that he, and he doesn't mind taking on all that responsibility either. Um, But like I said, he's, everything about him it's it's authentic and it's it's who he is and he's real and there's no bullshit with him and I feel like that's that's very important but at the same time like he's got a lot going on so it's a lot of attention is going to be on him and luckily he's the type of he has the mentality where he doesn't really care what other people think but yeah you know people are going to say what they're going to say you kind of characterize corked up as kind of like quote like literally like hanging out with a friend yeah. talking shit and learning learning something and i was like that's a great just a great tagline for the podcast well, so that's how all of my all of my podcasts are I, I i don't want it to just be like cool it's i don't want to say i have a podcast just to have a podcast there has to be a mission statement behind not necessarily a mission statement but a mission um behind it some goals and it's right. so hard to find the balance of entertaining and knowledge. And that's what I, that's my ultimate goal as a, whatever you want to call me, reporter, digital creator, mm-hmm. um, right. influencer, whatever. I want you to both be entertained with what I'm saying and what whoever I'm with on the podcast is saying, but I also want you to leave learning something. And I also just want you to hang out with me. Like we're all like kind of lonely these days. So I want to yeah. remind you sure. that, you know, I, I get to cover a really cool game and I really want y'all to feel like you're there with me watching a baseball game. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I mean, like, even just from my perspective, like I started this quote unquote podcast, but really it started with me literally just wanting to interview people in sports media. Like I talked to Jerry Krasnick in 2016 and then, you know, I got to talk with 
Carl Ravage's son, Sam, when he was the Flying Squirrels broadcaster a few years ago. And so I think it's cool in general what you're doing, podcasting, content creation, writing. I started kind of with the writing thing randomly. And like I said, it's just kind of snowballed into sort of like a podcast now. But so you were with Cut4 at MLB. And now, of course, you're the content producer for NBC Sports Bay Area. So first off, how has it been over there on the West Coast doing kind of covering the, uh, the Bay Area teams, Giants, A's, and you cover... All of them, right? The Warriors, Sharks, Niners. Yeah, but I'm more obviously more in depth with with the baseball teams because right. those are my sources. It's my background, right. everything like that. Um, but it's been really fun. I mean, I I wish more people would pay attention to the A's a little bit more. Um, but I also, you know, I liked the challenge of covering the Giants because it was kind of foreign to me. Um, but it's been challenging and fun, and I I like getting more in depth with things. Like I never really cared about, I'm not like a news breaker. You'll rarely see me breaking news. Sometimes information will just fall into my lap and it just, I'm not going to ignore it. Like I have to you know, do yeah, something about right, it. Like, yeah. Got some information with the U Darvish trade. And I was like, do I, I guess I'll do something with this. Sure. And um, so it's, it's kind of like from that mentality, but I, I've really enjoyed like learning about the giants and meeting them and figuring out how they tick. And it's such a historical organization, you know, with, especially in the last, you know, decade or so. And that's been really, really fun. Um, but you know, I grew up an A's fan. So this literally is the, the dream job for me, the team I've always wanted to cover. And it's not just writing anymore. I get to do the podcast and I get to be on A's pre and post game. And I get to be the reporter sometimes and, you know, learn more about the front office stuff and get some more inside information and see what everybody wants to be reading about. Cause if you guys don't care about the A's slash lines, then what do you want to learn about? So I have to kind of yeah. do more of the buzzy fun stuff and I get to be creative that way. And I think that's really cool too. And you know, A's are really easy to write about the fun, funky stuff that I like the stuff I used to do with cut four. Um, but giants, I've been trying to like, let them like open up a little bit more and, and they've been doing a really cool, a great, great job of letting me do that. Yeah. I think the A's are just a really interesting team in general because they're kind of like that, you know, small market, but they always, to me, it's always been that team that you can't count them out. I remember seasons like what, 2014, I want to say, I don't know. It was in the last few years where they started out maybe kind of slow, but then they got hot, made the playoffs. But of course they have their playoff woes here and there, but they're always a top team. At least lately, they've been a top team as far as a team in the West. They've, they're, I think they're kind of exciting in terms of just maybe underrated stars, players that maybe not everybody's accustomed to. So what are your thoughts on the Giants and the A's? I know it's kind of like two different teams, two different directions, I guess. But what, what are your thoughts with both teams as the offseason kind of gets going? Do you, do you foresee any potential big moves that maybe the Giants make? I don't think they're going to make any big moves, no. Um, I would love for them to bring a really strong pitcher onto the team. Um, but that's the thing. It's like these pitchers that they're bringing on, it's like one-year deals or, you know, right. qualifying offer deals. But, I mean, my dream, this was my, this is a hypothetical and probably 98% chance it doesn't happen. I would love for Trevor Bauer to sign with the giants for one season right, right. and just to piss off the Dodgers. Mind you, this mm -hmm. is my fantasy. Let's reiterate. This is not going to happen, but I would right. love for him just to piss off the Dodgers. And that may like for one season, knowing that, you know, we're probably not going to win the world series, but I'd like to piss off the top two teams. But then while this is happening, 
probably not going to obviously sign with the Padres as the Padres just brought in two really big pitchers. Um, and so this will still be exposure from the Padres front office to be like, Hey, I kind of like this Trevor Bauer guy. Like maybe I can bring him on the Padres next year. And so that'd be kind of cool just to have him have fun for one season and then sign yeah. like a multi-year deal for a place like the Padres, the Dodgers or something like that. Cause I mean, like he went to UCLA, so he knows the Dodgers, but his, his agent's a big Giants fan. And, you know, it's, there's so many, there's really some cool things that could happen with Trevor, but either way, whatever team he ends up is going to be great. Going back to the Giants though, they just signed Kirk Casale. And um, that's going to be an interesting, I mean, the, the catcher actually situation is pretty clear. You're going to get Buster Posey back, maybe not a great right. production guy at the plate um, if, if his hip is 100% better. Um, but to be able to groom some of these kids is going to be really, really cool. Chadwick Trump, my favorite guy ever. I hope you all listen to my Bach Talk episode with him because you'll fall in love with him. He's fantastic. And, um, for pitching wise, you know, Gossman, um, did the qualifying offer. Um, they brought in Des Anthony Desclafani. I always know how to pronounce it until, Tough name, right? until I'm on the spot and then I can't pronounce right, it. Right, right. Um, and so, so they have like the starters kind of taken care of the bullpen looks solid. Um, infield definitely looks good. Um, Jason Bossler is going to be kind of like their platoon guy, um, Chad Pinder esque, if you will. And that guy's, I have a Bog talk episode with him too. He's my type of player where utility diverse power that hasn't quite, quite peaked yet. Hard worker, my type of bro, love it. Um, uh, probably see him platoon with, um, Evan Longoria quite a bit. Outfield looks good. It's the first off season. Alex Dickerson doesn't have to rehab an injury. We're doing amazing. So, I mean, they're solid, but like, I really think that they're in the perfect spot for rebuilding and they have a strong yeah. farm system right now for the first time in a long time. And that was Farhan Zaidi's main thing. Like you want to get the young players and you want them to either be great to eventually get to MLB. And I know that's like the main thing, the main objective, right. but I really think that's what he's going to do instead of flipping them and for trading and stuff like that. I really think he just wants to you know, find the next Mike Yastrzemski because he's just been killing it too. And I like, he's just such a superstar and his story is great. Wonderful human being was also on Bok Talk um, and <laughs> all of that. So I think they're kind of headed in the right direction. I don't foresee them making any big moves this season. Um, right. If they do go for that Japanese pitcher, um, maybe, but I, I don't know um, because you know, I think they have until thir he has until Thursday to decide what he wants to do. Um, but he's of course a little nervous because of COVID over here, and mm -hmm. I don't blame him. That's true. A's, dude, I have no idea. I don't foresee them doing anything as far as I don't think they're going to bring Simeon back, which is totally fine. Simeon's worth the world. Um, right. Bobby Grossman, of course, won't be back, which kind of bummed me out. I was hoping he would return. Um, but I mean, infield wise, no matter what they do at shortstop, they still have Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, who Chapman's of course going to be back this season. Olson struggled at the plate batting average wise. He got lucky when getting some RBIs and, and, and those hits and everything like that. Um, second base, you have a platoon situation, Tony Kemp and Chad Pinder, um, catcher. They're wonderful. I would like for them to bring on a veteran pitcher. I like the idea of Corey Kluber, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I think oh, he's yeah. been kind of looking at maybe the Red Sox were uh, trying out for them. 
Um, maybe I loved an idea of Lance Lynn, but of course that's not going to happen. Um, outfield looks Quite good solid, though. Yeah. So me, I think they can bring in a veteran pitcher. That would be a starter. That'd be great. Maybe one or two bullpen guys, just because the A's really need to keep doing that strong reputation with the bullpen. They can't, they're not going to bring Liam Hendricks back, of course. And Jake mm-hmm. Diefman looks to be the closer. So they need some more setup guys. Um, but believe it or not, I think the A's are pretty solid. I mean, they're going yeah. to lose a couple of guys, of course, but the pitching looks really good. Bassett's back. If Manaya Montes and Jesus Lazardo have a good season, that's killer. And then Puck looks to hopefully be a part of that starting rotation. If not, he could be a bullpen guy as well. That's what Bob Melvin told us. So between the two teams, like they're solid. I think they just need like some of those insurance guys that can kind of help in case of injury or just like obviously every single team loves a a pitching depth no matter how there was one year I think the Houston Astros had so much depth in their pitching their starting rotation and their bullpen they still wanted more pitching you can never have too much pitching it's like money you can never have too much of it so they look pretty good so far I'm actually really looking forward to covering the Bay Area I'm a little nervous that the A's are going to have a minor setback because of losing some of these big names Um, and there's going to be a lot of competition this season but you never know until it gets started yeah, Oakland, like I was saying before, I feel like Oakland's always a team to kind of reckon with, especially right now. And then on the Giants side, I've talked to a few people who kind of write and cover the Giants and kind of looking at it as not necessarily ready to contend, like probably not for the playoffs right now, but they're trending upward. And I asked them their thoughts on Gabe Kapler, you know, as the first year manager last year. Uh, what were your thoughts when they brought in Kapler to, you know, replace, of course, Bruce Bochy? Um, you can't replace a Bruce Bochy, just so we're out there. Um, right. But it was yep. kind of a controversial hire at first. Yeah, I was, I was right. kind of surprised. But then as time went on, I, I was, my surprise kind of flipped. Um, Gabe Kapler really impressed me. And that was more than just yeah. his managerial duties um, to go to a liberal area and stand by kneeling um, for Black Lives Matter. I immediately was in awe and and had so much respect of Gabe. And I feel like he, from the beginning was actually really good. Um, he's such a good conversationalist and a communicative human being, and he's younger too. So he's going to be able to relate to some of these guys. And, you know, he's just recently out of retirement, not that long ago. And, yeah. um, you know, he had to manage Bryce, the Bryce Harper's of the world, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, um, it's not, I'm not saying that the giants have a ton of flashy players necessarily but they have guys who you know and um i was talking to alex pavlovich who um is our giants insider and um he was he mentioned something that was interesting that he was very impressed with what, how he handled the brandons and that's brandon crawford and brandon belt because any manager can come in and just be like this is how i want to use these young guys and then, um, but the way that he was able to put Belt in there and Belt was very successful in 2020 and he was really fun to watch. I think he got a couple of, did he get some MVP votes? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I feel but like he, he might definitely have. in discussions, yeah. um, but his hitting was, was pretty phenomenal. And um, also was on Bok Talk, um, was really fun interview because he likes Joey Votto as well. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I love him. Uh, so that was, that was really- yeah, that's one of my questions for sure. Yeah. Um, so that was cool, but yeah, you know, I was very impressed and, you know, the team up until like, you know, they lost those last three games of the season to the Padres and well expected because the Padres were on fire, 
Um, but he really impressed me and I, and I actually, he shut me up because I, I didn't like the hire at first. I don't want to say I didn't like it. Um, but I right. did like the idea of, you know, Matt Quattaro going to the team, um, way more experienced. Um, but at the end of the day, between him, Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris, I was very, very impressed with, uh, what the giants put together. Yeah. Uh, so Yastrzemski and Bell did receive MVP votes for the giants last year. I know and, uh, did. He was my NL MVP heading into the season. And he was well on his way to it about halfway through, but you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, going back to uh so you mentioned that pitcher that from Japan, and that is I think I'm saying his name right. I'm probably not. Tomayuki Sagano. Sagano's Sugano? right. Sagano. Uh I was actually watching John Boy. I, I've been watching all his MLB breakdowns on YouTube recently just because they're not only are they great, but they're just hilarious. Yeah. I love the commentary he always puts. But he was talking about Sagano and then oh, Gabe Kapler. So he's had a few really good. I'm sure you've seen him. He's had a few great uh Gabe Kapler ejection videos. Oh, like I actually haven't. I, I, I uh, love, you know, I love me some John Boy, <laughs> but I've actually never watched besides, of course, the Astros one. But right, right, right. Just John Boy's narration of what players are saying, whether it's spot on because he can read their lips or if he just makes it up. He gave, did you see he gave me way. a lip reading video? I did not, but I want to see that. Now. Yeah. So I accidentally posted a video on Instagram without sound. And okay. I like tweeted out that I did that. And somebody's like, oh, John Boy should do a breakdown for you. And John Boy did it. And he did. It was 100% correct with everything that I said. I might have seen that. Okay. So I was actually, I was looking through like, not to be weird. I was I was looking through old tweets because I was just looking at you know I wanted to find stuff to re you know research look for stuff to talk with you on the podcast and I did see a video but I didn't play it because I was with yeah you know, I was I wasn't able to play stuff with sound at that point but I'll have to go back and look for that now yeah, I was, did see I feel like was, I saw that he did a great job I was very proud of him yeah so I'll have to go back and definitely check that um so going back to Posey so one of the questions I was thinking about with Buster Posey was I know he was out last year because of uh, you know, with COVID, I know he has, he adopted twins, adopted right? Adopted two baby so girls, yeah. Coming back into this season after sitting out last year, if they don't have the DH in the National League, is he platooning at first base? Because he's not catching anymore, right? So he would, he I think he would still serve as a catcher. He's still, Gabe Kapler still has him as his number one catcher heading into 2021. Everything's fluid these days. You never know. Right. Um, But at this moment, the report is, I mean, Gabe Kapler said, you know, uh, Buster Posey's number one, then Casali, and then Chadwick Trump. Okay, gotcha. So he's still playing a little bit of catcher. I couldn't remember if he was. I, I didn't think he had given up catching altogether. I knew he had been doing some more some first base, but no, he certainly hasn't given it up right, altogether. Right. But obviously, first base is an option, right? So, but I don't think that he would even be their main DH. Should that be the scenario? No offense to him, I just don't think that that's right. His. Right thing and i hope to god that they don't have a dh if they do i would hope they would announce it by now because the giants didn't really have time to get a dh together and the guys who did dh struggled so i'm hoping it's not a, a repeated situation like it was like it is in 2021 if if right, the DH yeah. does happen again which i'm and here's the thing i loved the idea of the dh until it was implemented and then i was like nah fam this is a shit show no thank you I, uh, yeah, I don't mind it in the AL. I kind of liked the unique, I think I'm in the minority. I, I kind of like the uniqueness yeah. of the DH and the AL, but pitchers in the National League. So kind of going back to your, your everyday job and work and everything. Do you, I'm sure you do. Do you have, or what is your favorite maybe career highlight 
or a cool. moment or an interview that you've done? Because I, so real fast, I, I know you talked with Doc Emmerich from the NHL, which I think was fantastic just awesome i mean the guy's a legend obviously but you've already referenced so many awesome players that you've talked to which i think is great because I, that's, he, I, that's what i'm do. shocked that i get to reference those like every day i can't right, be like right i get to brag about like that because i at first i was like when because i get asked that question a lot like who was your favorite interviewer and interviewee i should say and i'm so lucky that i can't think of just one you know yeah i mean and it's like so I think it's cool when I get to talk with people like you. And that means the world to me too. I don't think I'm any, it's a lot of imposter syndrome in this industry. I tell you. Like, I think it's cool when I get to trade DMS with, like I said, Dan Shulman or you, you were very responsive, which I really appreciated because I would have, I would totally have understood if you were like, yeah, sure. And then that was that, but not that I didn't, I didn't want to bug you or anything, no, but you were I, like responsive. And I was like, that's cool. So yeah, I know for me, I, the reason why I like doing this is like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a college dropout and I want, mm -hmm. I want people to, oh, wow. yeah, I don't want people to know to think that like they need a fancy schmancy education to do this. Right. Um, I think education is very important. It's a beautiful thing. I just was a shitty mm -hmm. student. I didn't like it. So I want people to know that everybody has like their own journey. It doesn't even have to be sports media, right? It could be anything. Yeah. And, and for me, I, and, and it's good practice for me because eventually I want to do like more like speaking engagements and yeah. I'm always on TV and on camera and on radio and stuff. And it's good just for me to practice with that. But, um, I'm so a lot of time, I, if I don't do it, it's just cause I don't have the time cause my schedule's all over the place. So it's never about like, I don't want to do this. It's just, sometimes I just don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> Trust me. No, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's cool. I think it's great what you've been able to do as far as your content, your Twitter profile is fantastic. All the humor, the tweets, the interactions great. So keep doing that. I think so. Like I said, I think it's cool. And I get to talk with people like you or Dan Shulman or whoever. And I'm sure talking with for you to talk with like Doc Emmerich or Matt Chapman or any player. It's like, like you said, it's like a dream, basically, right? Like you're like, wow, I can't believe I just talked with so and so. And it's I'm sure like they're like they're people like us. But still, it's like they're yeah. huge figures. And I think, you know, because obviously I've always loved baseball. Right. So mm -hmm. and as time went on. I, I mean, my interview with Joey Votto was just a beautiful day in and of itself because right. my bosses surprised me with that A's coverage. I was not supposed to cover that game. It was the A's versus the Reds. And I was like, why am I scheduled to cover the A's Reds? Wait a second. And my boss was like, oh yeah, I need for you to give me that Joey Votto interview. And I was like, I mean, cool, <laughs> cool. Like, I was just like, yeah, I mean, whatever. If I have time, I'll go do right. it. So I interviewed yeah. him and it was cool because like I, I, I emailed the Reds ahead of time, like, Hey, I'm going to interview Joey Votto. And he actually approached me in the, in the clubhouse. And he's like, Hey, did you need to talk to me? And I was like, yes, Joey Votto. But I, it was also really cool because I wasn't like fangirling by any means. It was like, right. okay, Jess, you're a respect, not respected. I don't know if I'm respected. You're a journalist now go ask the questions. And it worked right. out because he, he said, that I mean, he's a big Barry Bonds fan, so I got a Barry Bonds interview and I asked him about the A's a little bit, and then he also kind of gave me some attitude, which I really liked. Um, because <laughs> I was watching this interview with him and I was like, So I know you look up to Mike Trout, he's like, Well, I'm older than Mike Trout, and I was like, Right, and he's like, I respect Mike Trout, but I don't look up to him. And I was like, Okay, okay, so I got my little sassitude. <laughs> right. So I walked away and I told him I was a fan of his work and it was so that wasn't weird or anything. And I shook his hand yeah. and he was wonderful. And I left a little like teary eyed, not from like, I met Joey Votto, but like, 
Jess, you wanted to do this since you were 12 and you're doing it. And I wanted to cover the A's since I was 12 and I did it and, and I'm doing it. Um, and one of my favorite moments is actually, believe it or not, was Dallas Braden, which he's a friend of mine. So I don't, people are like, well, how, of course it was an easy interview. It wasn't, um, when quarantine and the COVID shutdowns happened, I was working from home. So my, I went from working in a studio to, or on the field to boom, let's videotape this interview from your house. So yeah. I didn't have a chance to set anything up because it's kind of a last minute thing. But there was a photo of me and my dad when I was a baby. So my dad died when I was 19. And um, I was talking to Dallas about his perfect game because we, NBC Sports turned in like ESPN's class, ESPN Classics. So we re-aired that game of Dallas Braden's perfect game. And it was on Mother's Day. So we got to talk about that. And to know that both he and I um, got to share that moment was cool because the first A's game I ever went to unfortunately was me and my dad's last A's game together Mm. so Dallas and I are having this bonding moment over losing our one of our parents and then after that we were done recording and and I was struggling with with coronavirus because I was like in stuck inside and going crazy and Dallas was like you're gonna be fine and and he did twice he talked me off of being really really depressed and so it was more than just a really cool interview. It was like, this is why Dallas was in my life to like help me through some stuff. And we also just have fun together. And people are always like, you and Dallas need a podcast together. And that alone is cool because I looked up to him when I first got in the industry. I wanted to be like Dallas Braden. Yeah. And now we get to work together. So that kind of stuff has been really happening and really cool. And I think the moments that I'm like not scared to ask for the interviews is cool because people actually want to come on my podcast. You know, like Taylor Trammell yeah. came on my podcast the other day and and he was like, this this podcast is on like my bucket list podcast. And I was like, what? Like, that's insane. Like, I'm just some <laughs> girl, some college dropout from Reno. Like, why do people want to come on this podcast? But it's it's just been really cool stuff. And like I said, a lot of imposter syndrome, because sometimes I have to like pinch myself, you know, I also have a podcast through Trevor Bauer's company, and he likes the stuff that Rachel and I are doing. And we have merchandise that I got to design my own shirt and just stuff like that, you know, like, it's, a, it's very, it's awesome. And the, the awesome. best part, weirdly enough, with imposter syndrome is after you let it kind of run through your veins, you have a moment of like, just you, you fucking earned this, you know? So like, it's all good. But like I said, there's a lot of things that have happened in my career that I can confidently say are some of the best things ever. And it's, it's not stopping. And, you know, like just be able to sit next to certain players and have them be like, Oh yeah, I've heard of you. Brandon Crawford walked in. He goes, Oh yeah, I, I know who you are. And I was like, Brandon Crawford knows who I am. This is really cool. And That's, Hadwick yeah. Trump was like, I can't believe I'm I'm on the Jessica Klein Schmidt's podcast. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So it's just been like cool stuff like that. That is, I'll never take it for granted. I absolutely will never take it for granted. That's awesome. Yeah. I I think it'd be cool to talk with Dallas Braden also, because I mean, he's just got a great personality, but uh yeah, I've, I've, I've reached out. It's funny. I've reached out to so many people at this point. I mean, because I don't have any connections. I'm just I didn't have any connections either. Remember, right. I did, I'm not a former right. baseball player. I just made my own kind of thing. You were mentioning Joey Votto, so I definitely was going to ask you. So I know that was that he's one of your favorite players. So how did that that how did that kind of come about? So I 
when I was, it was with cut four. So one of my best friends, she's actually a Reds fan. She told me about Joey Votto and she was like, she would just talk about him all the time. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I know he's like, he can get on base. Like, that's cool. But then for cut four, cut four kind of was this Joey Votto, this, this memorial to Joey Votto. And I was like, this guy's fucking weird. I love it. And he's just got some attitude and sass and, it was one of the first times I actually noticed a ball player that was being himself and unique, whether it was trolling Phillies fans or, you know, just having a great interview and he's so intelligent and and interesting. And as time went on, he would just like keep doing these things. And I was like, this guy's cause he, but he's everything I want to be in like a human being, uh, a smart, intelligent, funny, weird person who works in baseball. That's what I want. And, you know, just a unique personality. And he's, that's what I want to be and just gets on base. And like I said, like I talked to Brandon Belt about it and it was me and Alex Pavlovich interviewing Brandon Belt. And I was like, Hey, like Brandon, have you ever had like interesting conversations with people on first base? And Alex Pavs total, he's like a really good wingman, right? He was like, well, Brandon, Jessica doesn't want to tell you, but she's a big Joey Votto fan. I have the clip on my Instagram and Brandon's like, I love Joey Votto too. He gave me a little fist bump and everything. And I was like, yeah, I love Joey. I was like, I want to be him when I grow up. And I was so excited. And Alex was so excited too, because Alex was like, oh, cool. Jess has her moment with talking about her favorite player. And so it was just kind of like from that. And then obviously I finally got to meet him and they say, never meet your heroes, but he was phenomenal. He was great to me. And yeah, so it's just kind of been like that ever since. However. My love for Mike Yastrzemski sometimes been overshadowing Joey Votto. I'm a huge Yastrzemski because I've interviewed him three different times, Yastrzemski, for both yeah. of the podcasts. And I was covering his MLB debut. So it was just, I can always say I got to cover Mike Yastrzemski's very first Major League Baseball game. And that's something that Alex Pavlovich cannot say. So that was filling in for Alex Pavlovich. So I, I remember a few years ago, I was, I don't know where I, I guess it was on Twitter. Yeah, I was on Twitter. So Jason Stark had this stat about Votto, and I'll have to find it. Is it like this. the pop-up one? Yeah, that, it was the pop-up that wasn't, one, exactly. I don't know if it was Stark or Ryan Spader. It might have been Spader. Spader, I remember Spader was I, who told me that stat. So Stark, I'll have to go back and find it. Stark might have just responded to it or something, or maybe he shared, maybe he shared after spader had it but i just remember commenting and i don't even remember exactly what i said it was something like that's i was like wait how far back does this go back because i mean he just hadn't popped up in forever ever or something crazy he never like popped up yeah to a, and and then so it was funny so i saw him pop up to a first baseman or whatever the position mm-hmm. was and i was like wait did joey bottle just pop up to first and then somebody's like yeah he now he that was his first time ever popping up to first so something happened. I can't give you the specifics. I don't know it off the top of my head, but yeah, it was something weird right. like that. And with Yastrzemski, uh, I was surprised, honestly, when the Orioles let him go. The, I the, mean, and I, the, Kirk Casale, that's part of the reason why Casale went to the the Giants is they're like best friends, him and Yastrzemski. Mm-hmm. And Casale said, what were the Orioles thinking? You know, because the, <laughs> yeah. the Vanderbilt boys are like brothers times 10. If you played baseball at Vandy, like you're set for life. You will always have a BFF if you like in your former teammates. So, um, but 
yeah, I I'm okay with it. I, cause I had Melanie Newman, who's their play by play broadcaster on my Bok talk podcast and corked up. She's my best, one of my best friends. And I was like, you cannot have him back. You will not have him back. I, Buck Showalter was very impressed with him too. Buck Showalter was also on Bok talk. Were you actually able, I mean, I don't know exactly what your typical office environment is, but uh, during the baseball season, were you in stadiums at all? I didn't go to one game during the 2020 season, no. Everything was from my bedroom and my mom's guest room. That's it. But I managed to cover a 2020 MLB season from like remotely, which was insane. Yeah, I was going to say in spite of the circumstances for why that had to happen, that's something you'll look back on and be like, I just covered a 2020 baseball season remotely. You know, that, that was crazy. definitely a resume Great. builder for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. You've been doing this for a little bit, but you're still just getting started. I feel like in general. So what are kind of maybe future aspirations or even just like a, a bucket list interview, maybe you want to have one day or, have you even, I'm sure my you've buck, got some My main things, bucket but... list interview would be probably Vince Scully, Eric Chavez, because he's the reason I'm, I fell in love with the A's and I, and I could easily get Eric Chavez. I just want to make sure I'm emotionally prepared for that. It's, it's, it would be like a really <laughs> tough interview just because like, it reminds me of my dad and, um, you know, but in yeah. Ray Lewis, I often forget to mention him. Cal because I was born in Baltimore. Oh, wow. I'm huge. I mean, I'm, I'm a Ravens girl mm-hmm. at okay. heart. Cal Ripken Jr. Okay. I'm still okay. working on that. I'm still trying to get him on Bach Talk. I think I can do that as well. And, and it's, it's usually people that I have like stories like this. So Taylor Trammell um, stood up for me on Twitter without any sort of me asking him to. And I, w- I wanted to publicly thank him for doing that. And even today I had Trevor Plouffe on my podcast and um, he is one of the most amazing human beings in the world. And it was the reason why I fell in love with him. Coincidentally, now we like do a lot of, you know, crossover stuff together. And of course he's the reason he, you know, he got DFA'd when Matt Chapman got called up, but um, there was a a certain player um, who was accused of harassing one of their, one of the twins photographers, female photographer. And when she went public, um, Trevor Plouffe, the first thing Trevor said was, I can understand why you didn't say anything, but I wish you would have told me. And to know that Trevor has our backs as female reporters yeah. is phenomenal. And it was funny because I had Trevor or uh, Taylor Trammell last week and Trevor Plouffe this week. And both of them said the exact same thing as far as harassing women in sports. They say there is no place for it in sports. There's just none. and you know, so often we have this stigma around women in sports that we're constantly being harassed. We're constantly being pushed underneath the bus or harassed and made fun of and stuff. And that's true, but it's not constant. I have never been inappropriately approached by a male athlete. And I can confidently say that a hundred percent, no lie. I'd say it on a lie detector test. I've been so lucky. So to know that I want to make sure that these men are spoken highly of because they genuinely have our best interest at heart. Like imagine if you had to like take 45 extra seconds to think, I hope I'm dressed a certain way. I hope I'm not like looking offensive and I could just go out and do my job. That's, that's why I'm successful. Cause I don't have to worry about any of that crap. 
and to know that they have our backs is huge. So I got to have them both on my podcast. So that was alone a bucket list item because I think it's important you tell people how you feel Um, because the world is scared to do that for some gosh awful reason. Um, But I want to host my own like television show and I want to win an Emmy and I will do that one day. Um, I want to write a book. I want to be a mom. I want to be a wife, but I want to do so many things. Um, yeah. But I still want to be the first female something. I'd be the first woman to do something. I still don't know what it's going to be, but I will do it. I mean, little things have been the first, like I've, I wrote a book um, about fantasy baseball or a chapter of one first woman to ever do that, but I need something bigger than that. So that's another thing on my bucket list and to, yeah, that's other stuff too, but things kind of come and go. And, Oh yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's cool. The TV show, the, like you say, being a mother being, I mean, all that stuff would be, that's awesome to hear. And Kim Ng was obviously the first female GM in major league sports of obviously going to the Marlins. Yeah. So same thing. I heard about her name forever and it was always, she almost got this job. She almost got this job. So obviously covering the giants, um, Barhan Zaidi is our, the the, the team's new president of baseball operations. Well, new a couple of years ago. Um, but Kim Ng was up for that job. Um, she was also supposed to be the Padres GM. And that was when I got wind of her six or seven years ago when I was just like kind of blogging for fun. Um, and she was, she almost got the Padres GM job and seeing how she would talk about the Padres GM was like that she needs to be a GM and, you know, over 30 years experience, it's just like, it's about time, you know? Right. But at the same time, like I'm in a way glad that none of those things worked out because this is the perfect opportunity because she's with Derek Jeter again. And she was part of Derek Jeter's extension with the Yankees back in the day. So there she like Derek Jeter of all people know she knows how to work and and know how knows how to put the money where the where her mouth is and how to extend some of these players. So the moment she got the job, I literally physically felt a weight lifted off of my shoulders. Like, oh, I can breathe. Like everything I do from now on is not just because, oh, for a girl. It's because she deserves mm-hmm. to be there. And if Kim right. Ang deserves to be there, I deserve to be in this exact spot. Rachel Luba deserves to be in that exact spot. Bianca Smith, too. She just got a really cool um, opportunity with the Red Sox. And it's just mm, going right. to keep it's going. All that. And I want people to remember. I know people are like, oh, well, you're the first woman. Like, nobody cares. But if Jimmy G is the first football player to throw 75 touchdowns on a Tuesday, that's history, right? Why yeah, can that right. be? It's still going to be history if she's the first female GM, first woman to right. do something. You can't yeah. like make that up. We do that with race. We do it with certain people who come from a certain um, collegiate background or, you know, so like shut up there. So it's just, it's it just, it's, it's good. It's like beyond good. Absolutely. And another thing yeah. that I can just be like, okay, cool. I can just go out and do my job. And I think we're always going to have that stereotype, that stigma behind us. And I'm okay with it. I love proving people wrong, but it's just like, can we just do our jobs now and stop saying stupid shit? Like, let's just do it. But the Padres getting you Darvish. So of course, like I said, I, I follow the Cubs. I actually was asking people on my podcast. I said, Hey, I know the Cubs need a retool. Maybe not rebuild, but retool. They need to change up something because it's been stale for the last few years. There's a lot of issues. Would you trade a guy like you, Darvish, to get that prime, you know, that prospect package back? Which 
a lot of fans on the Cubs side are kind of feeling underwhelmed based on some of the return, but regardless, they didn't even have to give up a top 10 prospect. Right. Right. And so were you excited? And right after the Blake Snell trade too, when we saw that Snell trade, we thought, okay, Darvish might not be getting traded. And then the next day it happened. So were you surprised? I mean, I knew about the U Darvish trade yeah. the day before. Yeah. I also, I didn't have a secondary source to back it up. Um, I, for me personally, it was more or less like, I just want to get all of my ducks in a row. Um, just because I was one of the insiders on that trade. Um, but I was actually very impressed. Um, but it was, you know, a salary situation, salary dump, the Cubs ate a huge portion of you Darvish's, um, contract, which I was the first to report that. Thank you very much. Well, there you go. And that alone got me excited. Cause I was like, okay, cool. This yeah. is like the next step in my career. Um, right. but yeah, like don't sleep on the Padres, man. I mean, well, it, yeah. they Team's are loaded. what every team wants to do, right? And that's put the money there. Get the bigger guys. Get the big names. Win that damn championship. And I love the Padres fans so much, and I'm so excited for them. I'm not looking forward to seeing what the Giants have to put up with, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the NL West because, you know, the Giants are still going to – make it interesting they're not going to win the ALS they're NL West but they're going to probably be third place in the division um but it's gonna be fun to see them going up against the Dodgers because you know everybody hates the Dodgers so uh, yeah I hate the Dodgers yeah everybody hates the Dodgers um I don't I like the Dodgers but I just know what rivalry is so it'll be interesting to see so yeah I think I think it was good I love you Darvish I had pitching ninja on my podcast last last week and they're him and pitching ninja are pretty close and it was just kind of cool to see like what he thought about the the snow thing but I love watching Darvish pitch getting I think he got a couple Cy Young award votes this this year yeah no he's a he's Just a great second, yeah. player so I'm excited for for the Padres for so first off how many people either confused I think you know where I'm going with this how many Zanga. people either conf- confuse you or make the joke about Topanga and I saw the Wikipedia thing like the other day on Instagram right like they put your was it your name on her page or something? Yeah, they said, and I actually tagged Daniel Fischel in it on mm-hmm. Instagram. I did not hear from her. Um, my favorite. <laughs> One day. Yeah, I have two really funny stories about that. So um, she actually, the real Topanga, threw out the first pitch at a Dodger game. And one of my friends who works for Bleacher Report thought it was actually me. And he was like, if you're covering the game, you can't be wearing a Dodger uniform. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, you're, I just, you're throwing out the first pitch. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, I'm not. Like, I'm here in Reno. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I thought you were at the game throwing out the first pitch. Um, And so that was a funny story. But then, so they took pictures of her. And then like two months later, I do like a radio spot in Vegas or something. And they use the photo of Daniel Fischel as my promo thing. And I was like, oh, that's funny. It's a photo of Daniel Fischel. They're like, oh, oh, I thought like that was one of your headshots. And I was like, no, it's not me. It's Topanga. So that and of course, the Wikipedia page was was pretty good. But that was my nickname when I um, I lived in a college dorm like area, like where all the college kids went. And that was my nickname around the dorm was Topanga. And nobody knew my real name. So, yeah, it's it's, it's always been Topanga. And it's funny because her role name's Danielle. Off the record, my middle name is Danielle, so it's well, kind of funny. Yeah, some synergy. Yeah. Well, one day you guys are going to cross paths We're on gonna Twitter meet or something, and it's... it'll be wonderful. Or I've probably annoyed her with all the stuff I've tagged her in. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm sure she should be flattered, honestly. Yeah. But uh, if you ever need a, the bonfire hookup on like shirt merchandise or whatever, I've got you. Love it. I appreciate that. I have plenty of shirts, but I could always use more. We can always figure yeah. that out. But uh, yeah, thanks again for stopping by. It was great talking with you. I, I had a lot of fun just learning about kind of everything up to this point that you've been able to do. We're both 32. So I feel like you've done a lot, which is awesome. And you have a million things to do still. So it's just been great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let me know if you ever need anything, okay? Will do. All right. I, um, I'll definitely do that. So yeah, thanks again for uh, coming on. Three, two, one, zero, zero, and